The Network Live. News, insights, and stories right here on KNEL 95.3 FM and KNELradio.com every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Don't miss this opportunity to hear world news, insights, and stories from guests around the world. The Network Live is your pathway to connecting people and ministries. Good morning and welcome to The Network Live. I'm your host, Debbie Rule. Today we'll be starting a four-part series with Pastor Jimmy Evans titled Tipping Point. Now I am beginning a four-week series of messages called The Tipping Point. Now I did a series called Tipping Point on the end times back in 2014. These are not the same messages now. These are all brand new messages. Now I have a book, Tipping Point, that just came out. Now it's based on the original set of messages that I did and what I'm doing right now. Some of what I'm doing right now is in this. It's very current. This includes COVID-19 and what's going on right now. So this is on the end times. It says Tipping Point. The subtitle is The End is Here. And I believe through this series, you'll understand why I believe we're not just living in the end times, we're living at the end of the end times. Let me begin this series. And so when I teach on the end times, I've studied the end times. It's called eschatology, study of the end times. I've studied this for 46 years and I absolutely love it. I've been fascinated since 1983 when I read The Late Great Planet Earth by Hal Lindsey. And since that time, I've studied every scripture, prophetic scripture. I've read hundreds of books on the end times, and I've just studied it. And so it's something I love. It's something I believe I have an understanding in that I want to help you with. But let me say, I'm going to ask and answer four questions during this series, four basic questions. Okay. And what I'm trying to do is to slow down and to give you a basic understanding of the end times. And so the reason this is important now, so some people say, well, why do you, why do you preach on the end times? 27 to 30% of your Bible is prophecy, and most of it is end-time prophecy. This period of time we're living in right now is the most prophesied about period of time in the Bible. Well, God says a lot about this period of time, and the question is, why does he say so much? Well, it's the worst period of time in human history, especially after the church is gone and the tribulation occurs. I'm going to talk about the tribulation in this message. The other reason that the Bible says so much about the generation that we're living in is more people are alive right now on earth than have ever lived in the history of the world. There are almost 8 billion people are alive right now. And so more people are affected by what is going on and what is going on. Look at COVID-19. Look at all the stuff that's happening in the world right now. It's getting worse. Jesus said it would be like birth pangs. It's getting worse, closer together, and worse. And so we're seeing the signs of the times around us. Listen, and it's comforting. Now, some people I know get a little afraid when someone starts talking to them about Bible prophecy. You're, you're listening to the wrong people. I can tell you, if Bible teaching on the end times makes you afraid, you're, you're just hearing a wrong version of it. I'm going to comfort you. You're going to hear four weeks of comfort, because I'm going to let you know what's about to happen. And not only will you be able to contextualize what is happening right now, you're going to have a comfort of knowing what's about to happen for you as a believer is very, very good. So let me begin. I'm going to ask and answer four questions. So here's a really important question. When did the end times begin? Okay, when did the end begin? Now, you know, here are a couple of important questions. First of all, why does there have to be an end? 
That's a good question, okay? Why can't things just go on forever like this? I mean, those are pretty good questions. I heard a guy, and he was not talking to me, but he was talking to another end-time preacher, and this guy was kind of fed up, and he said, why do you people have to have an end times? I mean, why, why can't you just live your life like the rest of us and stop trying to scare all of us? Well, you know, I, I get that. I understand that. Well, I want to say, don't blame me. I didn't come up with this stuff. End-time prophecy teaching has been around for 2,500 years. It didn't happen in the New Testament. It started in the Old Testament with the Old Testament prophets. There are four major Old Testament prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Daniel. All four of those books have end-time prophecy in them, and we're going to be talking specifically about the book of Daniel in this message, A Major Prophet. Daniel is one of the most respected books in the Bible and it was in circulation for hundreds of years before Jesus. And that's important for reasons you'll know in just a few minutes. And so the minor prophets, Zechariah, Zephaniah, Micah, Joel, many of the minor prophets also contain end-time prophecy. And so end-time prophecy started all through the Old Testament, then carries on into the New Testament. But I'm going to answer this question for you. Listen, I'm going to give you a specific date. It's miraculous. The Bible is a miraculous book. I'm going to give you a specific date of when the end began. And we're told now from the angel Gabriel came to Daniel, the prophet, in Daniel chapter 9. We're going to read this text. And Gabriel told Daniel the future, and he told him when the end would begin. Okay, so we know this historically. So this, by the way, the children of Israel are not in Israel. They're in Babylon. Because of their sin, God sent them to Babylon. While they were in Babylon, Persia defeated Babylon. Okay, so they start in Babylon, they end up in Persia, okay, and then they start going back. So this is Daniel, Daniel 9, beginning of verse 20. While I was speaking, praying, and confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel and presenting my supplication before the Lord my God for the holy mountain of my God, yes, while I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, reached me about the time of the evening offering. And he informed me and talked with me and said, O Daniel, I have now come forth to give you skill to understand. At the beginning of your supplications, the command went out, and I have come to tell you, for you are greatly beloved. Therefore, consider the matter and understand the vision. Seventy weeks are determined for your people and for your holy city to finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. Now, we're going to keep reading here in just a minute. So Gabriel the angel comes to Daniel while he's praying, and he says to him, 70 sevens of weeks have been appointed to Jewish people and to the city of Jerusalem in the Temple Mount, 490 years. The word here is Shabua or Heptad in the Hebrew language. 77s. The word seven there is Shabua. It's weeks of years. This is 490 years. And so Gabriel is coming to Daniel and he's saying to him, I want you to understand that God has established for you, the people, the Jewish people, and for the city of Jerusalem, God has established 490 prophetic years. Listen, And at the end of those 490 years, you will have finished the transgression. He will have made an end to sins. He will make reconciliation for iniquity. He will bring in everlasting righteousness. He will seal up vision and prophecy and anoint the most holy. And what this means is 
When the 490 years are over, the age is over. The, the, the end has come. So we know from the angel Gabriel that there were 490 prophetic years that were declared. We're going to read the specifics of it here in just a minute. But I want to stop for just a minute. I want to say this. The age of grace is going to come to an end very soon. Let me, let me explain to you three, three different ages that are just about to happen. We're, we're right now in what's called the age of grace. And here's what that means. Any person in the world right now can repent and receive Jesus Christ as the Lord of their lives. And this is before the tribulation. I'm going to say it repeatedly through this series. Christians do not go through the tribulation. We are raptured before the tribulation. And so you're not going to go through the tribulation. I'm comforting you with those words, okay? That's the first comfort that I have for you. You're not going to go through that. But once the rapture occurs, we then go into a second age, and that is the severe age of grace. In the tribulation, there will be martyrs all over the earth, people who are beheaded. Revelation 20 says the Antichrist beheads people if they will not worship him, and especially if they believe in Jesus Christ. So there is going to be a grace during the tribulation, but it's going to be an extremely severe grace. And the Antichrist, according to Revelation 13, is given power over the saints to overcome them horrible scenario the most evil man in human history millions if not billions of people are getting saved but it is a bloodbath because of the antichrist and his hatred for jesus christ okay so there is an age of grace that ends at the second coming let me read you revelation 19 this is the second coming and i want you to notice that we're with jesus according to revelation 19 earlier the marriage supper of the lamb just occurred this is revelation 19 I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. Listen, and the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. It just said in Revelation 19 that we had on white linen as the wife of Jesus Christ. We come, the second coming, we are with Jesus when he comes. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword that with it he should strike the nations and he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of almighty God and he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Now, we're the wife of Jesus. We're, we're immortal. We're perfect. We have new bodies. We are, in the, we are just like Jesus at that point. We, we, are, we are one with him. So we're, we don't need grace at that point in time because we're perfect. We return with Jesus, and it says he comes with the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. This is not the sweet Jesus of the age of grace. This is the Jesus that gave 2,000 years of grace for mankind to come to him. Even during the tribulation, it says that many still would not repent during the worst judgments during tribulation. Okay? And so he's now coming to rule the nation with a rod of iron, and no one gets saved ever again. I want you to understand that grace is an age that's about to end. And when I teach on the tribulation, you say, well, Jimmy, if, if we're not going to be here, why even teach on the tribulation? Because you need to understand why we preach the gospel. If you love your neighbors, if you love your family, if you love your friends, if you love people, you do not want them to be here for that period of time. We need to be praying for them, and we need to be preaching the gospel because this is going to be the most severe period of time in human history. Well, let me keep going. Let me go back to uh, Gabriel here. Let's keep reading in the prophecy here, Daniel 9. Know therefore and understand 
that from the going forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince. Okay, this is interesting. So from the time that there's a command to go back and restore Jerusalem until Jesus, until Messiah the Prince, there shall be seven weeks and 62 weeks. The street shall be built again and the wall, even in troublesome times. And after the 62 weeks, Messiah will be cut off but not for himself. Now, this is really interesting because now Gabriel is getting into the detail of the 490 years. And so he says, now the 490 years are gonna begin with a decree to go back and rebuild Jerusalem, okay? So when that decree happens, the clock starts on the 490 years and it's gonna begin with 49 years when they go back and rebuild Jerusalem, even in troublesome times. When Nehemiah, and by the way, the detail of this is in the book of Nehemiah because Artaxerxes Longimanus is the one who issued the decree and Nehemiah and a group went back to rebuild Jerusalem. How long did it take? It took him 49 years. And it was very, very difficult because of Sanballat and Tobiah and all the enemies that were resisting them. This historically happened. The first part of this word, 49 years. The second part of the word is there'll be 62 weeks or 434 years, okay? So there's gonna be seven sevens and 62 sevens, okay, a total of 483 years. Listen, from the time that a decree goes forth to go back and rebuild Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince is cut off, but not for himself, there's going to be 483 prophetic years. Now, this is very interesting because the million dollar question is, well, did that happen? Okay, all right. So let's look at it. So uh, Artaxerxes Longimanus, on March the 14th of 445 BC declared that the Jews could go back under Nehemiah, under the leadership of Nehemiah and rebuild Jerusalem. I just gave you the date that the end began. The end began on March the 14th of 445 BC. That's when the decree go forth, according to Gabriel. Remember, Gabriel is the one who came and said 490 years are being decreed and it begins when the decree goes forth to rebuild Jerusalem. It, the history records. Sir Henry Rawlinson found at the palace of Sushan, this is the old citadel there of Persia there, uh, the records, the historical records where all of this happened. And this has been documented other places as well. March 14th, 445 BC. Okay, so Jesus came. And by the, word, by the way, where it says there, the Messiah will be cut off, but not for himself. The word cut off there means killed. It also interestingly means to make a covenant. So Jesus came to be killed and make a covenant, but not for himself. Okay, that happened. So, so here's the question. Okay. Very specific. There are going to be 483 prophetic years from the time that there is a decree to go, to go back and rebuild Jerusalem until Jesus comes and dies, but not for himself. Did that happen? Okay, well, let me do the math for you. So the Jews have a lunar calendar. They don't have a 365-day calendar. They have a 360-day calendar. So what we need to do is we need to do a calculation. From March 14th of 445 BC, we need to add 483 years of 360 days. Now let me give you how many days that is. It's 173,880 days. Okay, so March 14th, 445 BC, we need to add 173,880 days, okay? And, and that would be 483 prophetic years, Jewish years. So what date does that bring you to if you add that? It brings you to April the 6th of 32 AD. That was Palm Sunday when Jesus rode in 
to Jerusalem on a cult and began his death march to the cross. This book is true. This, when Gabriel put it out there, and Gabriel said, from the time there's a decree to go forth and rebuild Jerusalem until Messiah is killed, but not for himself, there's going to be 173,880 days. It happened to the day. It happened to the day. That's why I love teaching on prophecy, because this book is historically true, it's archaeologically true, it's scientifically true, and it's spiritually true. This is not a book. This is the book. This is how you raise your family. This is how you build your marriage. This is how you raise your children. This is how you live your life and set your morals. This book is true to the exact day. How can you get any better than that? And I want to say again that the book of Daniel was in circulation for hundreds of years before this happened. They didn't go back and doctor it up. They didn't go back and rewrite the book. It was already in circulation. And so this absolutely happened. Prophecy is measurable and specific. It's not ethereal. It's not subjective. It's not esoteric. It is out there in your face. Let's keep reading the, where, where Gabriel was talking here. And Gabriel then continues in verse 26, and the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. The end of it shall be with the flood until the end of the war desolations are determined. The people of the prince, this is the Antichrist. The people of the Antichrist who's in the future they're going to come and destroy. Messiah is going to be cut off. Then the people of the Antichrist who is in the future, his people are going to come and they're going to destroy the city and the sanctuary. Well, Jesus prophesies it too, Luke 21. Then as some spoke of the temple, how it was adorned with beautiful stones and donations. He said, these things which you see, the days will come in which not one stone shall be left upon another that shall not be thrown down. Let's move on to verse 20. When you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then know that his desolation is near. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let those who are in the midst of her depart. And let not those who are in the country enter her. For these are the days of vengeance, that all things which are written may be fulfilled. But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing baby in those days, for there will be great distress in the land and wrath upon this people. And they will fall by the edge of the sword and be led away captive into all nations. And Jerusalem will be trampled by Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. Okay, so exactly to the day, Gabriel gets the first 483 years right. And then parenthetically, it says, then after that, the people of the prince who are to come are going to destroy the city and the sanctuary, the Temple Mount and the city of Jerusalem. In AD 70, the Roman general Titus, he later became emperor, the Roman general Titus came with the Roman army and they destroyed the city of Jerusalem. They tore every stone of the temple and the temple mount down off the other, just as Jesus had prophesied. They killed over a million Jews and led the rest of them uh, captive and scattered them all over the world. Okay, this again is another prophecy of Gabriel and Jesus that was exactly fulfilled. Well, let me say this. So who's the Antichrist? Well, we know where he comes from. The Romans are the ones that defeated uh, the Jews. And so the people of the prince who is to come will destroy the city and the sanctuary. There were the Romans. A lot of people will say, well, that's basically Europe. Well, that's not true. It does include much of Europe today. The Romans, the Roman Empire during the times of Jesus wasn't just Europe or Italy. It included the Middle East and Northern Africa. Okay. Well, today, by the way, uh, 
One of the names for, the, the word Antichrist is only used by John, the Apostle John. One of the names for Antichrist in the Old Testament used three times is the Assyrian. It's used in the book of Micah and the book of Isaiah, the Assyrian. The Assyrian Empire included Syria. Right now it's bigger than that, but it included Syria. So there are, the Antichrist could be a Muslim. The Antichrist could come out of the old Roman Empire in Europe, but he could also come out of the Roman Empire in the Middle East or Northern Africa. I'm reading a book right now called The, uh, the um, Islamic Antichrist, um, and it's by Joel Richardson. It's a, it's a fascinating book, and he documents in his book why he believes that the Antichrist will be a Muslim. I don't know. I'm, I'm not ready to say that. But, but the, the Antichrist will come out of a revived Roman Empire that includes the Middle East and Northern Africa. We know that. Let's go back to uh, Daniel again. Then he shall confirm a covenant with many for one week, but in the middle of the week he shall bring an end to sacrifice and offering. And on the wing of abomination shall be one who makes desolate, even until the consummation, which is determined, is poured out on the desolate. Now, this is the Antichrist. The, the, there are seven years missing. Remember, there are 490 prophetic years, 49 years, 434 years. That brings you to 483 prophetic years. There are seven years missing, and here it is right here. The tribulation begins when the Antichrist confirms a covenant with Israel. He doesn't necessarily make the covenant, but he confirms a treaty with Israel for seven years. But in the middle of the seven years now is the abomination of desolation. Let's read the detail of it here in 2 Thessalonians 2 from the Apostle Paul. This is the clearest description now of the abomination of desolation, 2 Thessalonians 2. Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us as though the day of Christ had come. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first. That means apostasy, and we're seeing it in our world right now. And the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. That's the Antichrist. Listen, who opposes and exalts himself above, that is, above all that is called God or that is worship, so that he says, as God, in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you all these things, and now you know what is restraining, that he may be revealed in his own time? For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. Then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. The apostle Paul is talking about the return of Jesus, and he says, hey, don't be troubled, don't be troubled. The end isn't going to come until the falling away comes. Well, you've seen that. Check that box. You've seen that in the days that you're living in. And then it says the, man, the son of man will be revealed that he sits as God. This is the abomination of desolation. He sits as God in the temple of God, proclaiming he's God. Now, there has to be a rebuilt temple. By the way, did you know on the 9th of Ab, which was last week, the first temple was destroyed on the 9th of Ab. The second temple was destroyed on the 9th of Ab. The, Jewish were, the Jews were expelled from Spain on the 9th of Ab. It's the bad day. It happened last week on the Jewish calendar. Did you know on the 9th of Ab that over 1,000 Jews went up on the Temple Mount uncontested? And they went up there and had a prayer service up there. And that for the first time since 1967, the Jewish flag was raised on the Temple Mount. This, there has been increasing activity 
on the Temple Mount without it being contested. This is unheard of. The Muslims and the Israeli police have kept the Jews off the Temple Mount since 1948, since they took, or 1967, since they took it back. And so this is, this is it's un, unparalleled, unprecedented. We're seeing activity on the Temple Mount, and the Jews are ready to rebuild the Temple. It will be rebuilt. It's, it's going to be rebuilt. It has to be rebuilt for the abomination, abomination of desolation to occur. Here's what Jesus said about the abomination of desolation. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, whoever reads, let him understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him who is on the housetop not go down to take anything out of his house. And let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes. But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days. And pray that your flight may not be in winter or on the Sabbath. For then there will be great tribulation. This is where we get the term great tribulation from Jesus. Such has not been since the beginning of the world until this time, no, nor shall ever be. And unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. Now listen, the tribulation comes in two parts. We know this from Daniel. There'll be a seven-year covenant, but in the middle, three and a half years into the covenant, is the abomination of desolation. We, we know that from there. We know it also from the book of Revelation. And Jesus said, when you see the abomination of, Daniel, uh, of desolation standing in the holy place, there will be a great tribulation on the earth such as never happened in the history of the world. And unless those days that have been shortened, no flesh would have survived. Okay, well, that, I'm not going to leave you there. Okay, so I'm not going to be cruel to you and leave you there. I'm going to give you some phenomenal news. Now, remember, remember, Jesus said, listen, when the abomination of desolation takes place in the middle of the tribulation, Unless, unless those days would have been cut short, no one would have lived through it. Okay. Now keep that thought in your mind because there are people that say that Christians are going to go through tribulation. Let's read Luke 17 because Jesus is going to describe his coming and the rapture right here. Luke 17. As the lightning that flashes out of one part under heaven shines to the other part under heaven, so also, so also the Son of Man will be in his day. That's the rapture. It happens up in the air privately between Jesus and the church. But first he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. Listen, as it was in the days of Noah, so will also be in the days of the Son of Man. Listen, they ate, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day, the day, that Noah entered the ark before the flood, okay, before judgment, and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, also, as it was in the days of Lot, listen, they ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. Business as usual. But on the day, listen, that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Did you know that the angels that came and got uh, Lot and his family out said, we can't judge this place until you're out of here? Jesus said, it'll be just like that day. The day that I come, it'll be like the day that Lot went out of Sodom and Gomorrah before the judgment. Even so, it will be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. In that day, he was in the housetop and his goods are in the house. Let him not come down to take them away. And likewise, the one who is in the field, let him not turn back. Remember Lot's wife. Whoever seeks to save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life will preserve it. Listen, I tell you, in that night, there will be two people in one bed. The one will be taken, the other left. That's a selective rapture. Jesus is talking about the rapture here. He's going to come. Two women will be grinding together. We know that you don't grind together. You'll be at the microwave talking or something. The one will be taken, the other left. Two men will be in the field. The one will be taken the other left. And they answered and said to him, where are they taken, Lord? And he said to them, wherever the body is, there is the eagles. They're up in the sky. 
up there. So Jesus says, as the lightning flashes out of one part of heaven to the other, so will the coming of the Son of Man be. Okay? And so I'm going to come before judgment. Listen, listen. So buying, selling, marrying, giving in marriage, planting, building. Wait, 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 wait. Jesus said, when you see the abomination of desolation, there will never be a, time, a bad of time. Listen, so, oh yeah, Christians are going to live through the tribulation and it, when Jesus comes, it's going to be buying and selling, giving in marriage. In Revelation 6, the rider on the pale horse kills a quarter of mankind. In Revelation chapter 9, three plagues kill a third of mankind. In Revelation 16, all sea life dies, okay? And then the star wormwood hits the earth, decimates the earth. Those are just a few of the judgments of the book, the book of Revelation. So you say, oh yeah, there's going to be buying and selling, marrying, giving and marriage. You're going to be going to 18 funerals a day if you're alive during the tribulation. If you live, it's crazy. And you say, yeah, we're, they'll be buying and selling, marrying and giving in marriage. Well, I hope your wedding doesn't take place by the ocean with all the dead sea life coming up on the ocean. Jesus, Jesus described a business as usual atmosphere, just like the days of Lot before judgment, just like the days of Noah before judgment, that business as usual atmosphere like that. And then he described the rapture. Listen, saints of God. The next major event that's going to happen in your life is the rapture of the church. Jesus said, when you see these things begin to happen, you look up and you lift up your head, your redemption is nigh. And I'm, I'm going to say a couple, uh, several things to you. The age of grace is coming to a close. It is. It is. It could happen any time. We can go from this age of grace into that severe age of grace. Are you ready? Are you ready to meet Jesus? Do you know that you're ready to meet Jesus? If you've never given your life to Jesus, this is the time. Stop playing games. Stop waiting. This is the time. This is the time for us to tell our loved ones about Jesus and do everything we can, praying for them and witnessing them in love to get them to, to think about the times we're living in. I also want to say this. This is a time to turn back to this book. This book right here has authority. This is the Word of God. And I've shown you some remarkable things in this message about the Word. But I'm saying, you base your life on this, you'll be blessed, and you'll never have a regret.